0: All right, well, we want to welcome you again to Centerpoint Church, Kent Island. If you are a first-time visitor here, we want to let you know inside of your program should be something called a connection card. Please fill that out and give us as much information about yourself as you would like. Um, If you have any prayer requests, fill that out as well, and we'd be more than glad to pray with you. You can drop it in the offering bucket as it goes by or you can drop it off in the back um, after service. I'm Pastor Brian. I'm the pastor here at Center Point Church, Kent Island. Um, I know you guys are ready for an awesome message today, um, and we're going to have a great message delivered to us by one of our elders today. Um, What's so awesome about today is that um, we've had Jake on the schedule, already ready to speak for um, a few weeks now, but at the same time, I had a uh, passing of a family member. My grandfather passed, and so we will um, be doing the service this evening I'm around four, so it's just an extra honor to have somebody to come in and be able to help, um, give me a little break while we go through this this family time here. So I greatly appreciate you guys being here. I'm so grateful for you guys being able to worship with us today, and I'm so grateful to have um, one of our most illustrious and highly esteemed elders. Um, is going to share with us the word of God today. And so what I want to bring up to you guys, um, our elder, and uh, just one of the most spiritually great, centered, focused person I know, you can pay me afterwards, um, that I know, Jake Thompson. Come on up, Jake.
1: So great stories create great memories. But great God stories create great life. My earliest memories of my God story start off with him as a, a God who is kind of a cosmic Pez dispenser God. And the great thing about a cosmic Pez dispenser is that this is a God that you can make deals with, that you can make contracts with. And, and the best example of this was in my junior year of high school, our, our ice hockey team had not won a game all year. And I knew I had to do something big, and I had this ritual before all my games where I'd watch the movie Hoosiers. And I don't know if anybody remembers that movie Hoosiers, and there's this great scene before the Hickory Huskers play, play the South Central, Central Bears or whatever their name was before the, uh, the state championship. They are in the locker room, and they pray this prayer about the little guy beating the big guy, about David beating Goliath, and, and I knew that was the prayer, and, and I made this deal with my cosmic Pez dispenser God that, hey, if, if I show everybody in the locker room that I have this kind of faith in you to come through for us in this big game, You'll come through for us. And that morning, I was getting my breakfast out and my vitamins uh, spilled out on the floor, and they, they just happened to make this, this cross on the floor. And I was like, This is a sign. The, the cosmic pez dispenser God is going to come through. This is a sign. He, he's honored the deal. And you know what? We won. We won the game. I, I did the prayer and we won. I even scored a goal. I found out later my buddy had actually tipped it in and didn't tell the ref, but it's in the record books. I won. uh, We won the game, and I had scored a goal. And my cosmic Pez dispenser God had come through. But you know what the problem is with a God like that is he doesn't always come through, does he? My biggest dream in high school was to attend the U.S. Naval Academy. I was doing all the right things. I was taking the right classes, trying to get the right grades, hang out with the right people, not hang out with the wrong people, and. And I was on the straight and narrow until I wrecked my knee senior year in high school, and I failed my medical review board and was told that the dream was dead. My cosmic pez dispenser god had let me down. And my brother gets sick. Gets really sick. And my cosmic pez dispenser god had let me down for the last time. Now my brother is. Alive and kicking, and he's here in the audience today. But my relationship with God was going to change. He no longer could be trusted to come through and perform. And we decided to make a change, and, and we decided that we were just going to be friends. Uh, me and God were just going to be mates, like Crocodile Dundee. And we would go through life, and the best way I can describe this, this new relationship with God is, I don't know if anybody remembers the movie Dogma? kind of like that parody on the Catholic Church, and they, they decided the crucifix was just a little too much for people, and they came up with this idea of the buddy Christ. And they, they created this figure of of this guy, Jesus, kind of like winking and, and pointing at you. And, and I don't know if we have a picture. There he is. There's the buddy Christ. And that that was my God. That was the guy that I had a relationship with. And and we could go on all these great adventures together not really have any rules. And and we'd go on adventures like failing out of college twice and making a wreck of different relationships and and just really kind of wandering without purpose. But I knew he was there with me the whole time because I was wearing my WWJD bracelet, so he was definitely there. And and along this journey, I, I found another friend named Alcohol. And we got into all kinds of fun adventures like starting bar brawls and drunk driving and falling asleep in the left lane and waking up in the right lane, and it's a miracle to this day that I'm alive. and my god my my buddy christ was there the whole time with me and i pretended like i was okay with this relationship but i gotta admit there were many nights of tears and desperation and truthfully on the inside i really wasn't okay and neither was god and and and, you know you hear these awesome crazy weird stories about how god uses this strange stuff in our lives to to kind of bring him back to him and y'all are going to love this one um, uh, anybody remember the movie, The Blair Witch? I, I never saw the movie, but my, my roommate and I, one night, watched this documentary. It turned out to be a fake documentary, but it was a University of Maryland professor, so we thought it was real. And we're watching this documentary on The Blair Witch, and I got to tell you, it just it scared the, the blank out of me. Like, I, I, just, I couldn't sleep for weeks. I was so scared the, the Blair Witch was going to get me. I thought she was real, and, and I, I just had this, like, overwhelming sense of, of evil, right at my doorstep in my life. And, and the only thing that brought peace, the only way I could sleep was I would, I would curl up with this, this like zipper-bound King James version of a kid's Bible that my parents gave me when I was like five. And, and it had this like cross on the zipper. And I was like, well, that worked for vampires. Maybe, maybe it'll work for the Blair Witch. And I would just curl up with this thing. And, and, and I'd finally get some sleep. And I remember thinking one night, like, man, I gotta, I gotta get back to church. I gotta get some church and and my parents by this time, I had grown up in a Methodist church in Bowie, Maryland. My parents by this time had started going to Bay Area in Annapolis, and Annapolis. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try. And my like, third time there, these guys my age came up to me and said, hey, Jake, I don't know if you're interested, but in, in a few weeks or maybe next weekend, we're, we're going we're gonna to go on a co-ed overnight retreat. Do you want to come? Now, truthfully, I heard sleepover with girls. <laughs> I'm there. Absolutely. And I decided the next weekend, I'm going on this retreat, and, and I show up, and there's, it's like this campground, there's dark, it's at night, and there's these buildings, and I walk in, and and there's all these people in there doing this, like, like weird Tai Chi kind of moves, and they're playing this funky music, and I'm like, this is not my scene, this is not what I signed up for, and I, and I left, and by the way, if anybody's new here today, at least we're not doing this, right? Like, we might be weird, but at least we're not that weird, and I, and I left, and I went back to my car, and I just... I just happened to have a voicemail from my old college buddies He's just happened to be in town in Annapolis that night and said, hey, Jake, we're downtown doing some drinking. Why don't you come join us? I had a choice to make. Do I get back in the car and go downtown to my life that I knew and my old way of life and do some drinking with my buddies or do I, hey, there's, a, there's another building over there with the lights on and Looks like there's some people in there. Maybe that's the retreat from Bay Area. I had a choice to make. Do I get back in the car? Do I go that direction? i tell you, church, it's been 20 years. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not so utterly grateful that I had not start walking towards that light. God stories. It is so good sometimes just to remember our God stories, isn't it? to remember what he might have done or is doing in our lives. And to remember not just that it's, it's an individual story, but it's a, it's a, it's a bigger story, right? It's a, if, if Brian Hopper hadn't had a God story and led that retreat, I would not have had my God story. If, if, Barry, if somebody hadn't started Bay Area Church, Brian Hopper may not have had his God story. If, if some of us hadn't decided to have a church here on Kent Island, maybe we wouldn't even be here today. So what is a God story? A God story is when our story intersects with his story at some point in history, when we realize that we're part of this bigger story, and we decide, are we going to make a choice to join this story? And we get that. We've seen movies. We know, hey, this guy Luke Skywalker just happened to be on a desert planet, minding his business, and he realizes he's part of this bigger story about the rebels versus the empire. And somebody else named Ray, oh, wait a minute, that's the same story. But, but, you know, this guy Neo, he's just working on his computer, and he realizes he's part of this bigger story called the Matrix. And he joins in on this bigger story, or, or Harry Potter. He thought he was just the kid that lived under the steps. He thought he was the boy in the closet until he realized he was the boy who lived. And he joins this, this bigger story, and there's this story that we find ourselves in. There's this grander story. And what is this this grander story, what is this God story? How will we know when we hear it? You know, at, at center point, our whole purpose is to bring people back to God. And we've been, we've been following somebody in Scripture that has that same purpose, this, this man named Nehemiah. His whole purpose was to bring his people back to God. And we've been following the story how he was just, he was just wrecked over, the, over the, the story that he heard about his people. They, they, they had been in exile. They had been a conquered nation. And they were without a temple, and then the temple was built, and they are returning to their homeland, but the wall, the wall had still not been built, and, and Nehemiah is, is reminded that, that, that God had a promise to these people, and he was returning, and, and he had this, this overwhelming kind of holy discontent that this wall had to be rebuilt, and, and in a miraculous moment, he goes to the king of Persia and says, hey, let me go, I'm just a wine taster, but, but God has something that he wants to do here, and he returns it's the homeland to build this wall, and, and miraculously, they, they build the wall in 52 days. It's an incredible story of leadership and administration, how he, how he resourced and encouraged the people to build this wall. But now, the story starts to change. The wall has been built, and he asks the question, how am I going to rebuild the people? They've been exiled. They've been without their story. They've lost their story. They've forgotten their spiritual heritage. They've forgotten their God. They've forgotten their identity as a nation of Israel. So he enlists his buddy Ezra, and they start to tell the God story. If you want to follow along, uh, feel free to flip to Nehemiah chapter 9, and we'll have some of it up here on the screen, but we pick up our story in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1. Then, on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel gathered for a fast, wearing burlap and faces smudged with dirt as signs of repentance. The Israelites broke off all relations with foreigners, stood up and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their parents. While they stood there in their places, they read the book of the revelation of God, their God, for a quarter of the day. and For another quarter of the day, they confessed and worshipped God. Right out of the gate with this story, we realize there's something wrong. There's something just not right. And let me... Let me unpack that for a second. This is, the, and the, the date here is key. It's the 24th day. And Pastor Brian was talking about this last, last week. The wall was built, and the wall was just happened to be built in time for their fall festival. There was, there was three really key festivals that were taking place during this month. The first one was this Feast of Trumpets where they blast the trumpets and kind of ring in the New Year. This was their Rosh Hashanah. This was the, the Jewish New Year. And then on the eighth day, they had this, this high holy day called the Day of Atonement. The one day of the year, the priest could go in the Holy of Holies and, and put the sins of the nation on this, this goat and sacrifice this goat and send another goat, this scapegoat out to the wilderness. And everybody knew that they were okay in their relationship with God. And then, then they would have this eight days of feasting when the, when the harvest had come in, and they'd live in tents to remind themselves of how God had provided for them when they were in the wilderness. And it was supposed to be the, the happiest moment. This fall festival was supposed to be the happiest moment of the year. And it just isn't. Look at the state that these, these people are in. They're in sorrow. They're in mourning. They're di- distressed. And we kind of get that, don't we? I mean, we've got the holidays coming up. Sometimes the holidays aren't the happiest moment of the year for folks. I mean, last year for us, I was unemployed. It was not a happy time. This year it's great. we got the Christmas tree up. We're, listening we're watching Hallmark movies already. This, we're ready. <laughs> but... Sorry, being a little real there. <laughs> uh, you know, Mother's Day is not a happy day for everybody, is it? These are supposed to be happy times, but, but these aren't for some folks. For a lot of us, we've, we've gone through that, and this is, this is what's happening here, and, and if you look at those times when those holidays are not happy, it's usually because there's a relationship that's missing, or a relationship that you have expected would be here by now that just isn't. There's something broken with a relationship, and I think that's what's going on here now with the nation of Israel. They're supposed to be so happy. They're supposed to fast and then feast and be happy, but they've feasted, and instead of being happy, they're fasting because there's a broken relationship, and they've realized they have a broken relationship with their God, and they're confessing. And confessing is one of those weird words It brings up, like, images of, like, you know, law and order or something like that, and, you you know, trying to get an admission of guilt and And confessing happens at the Thompson household twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, where we line up our girls and say, hey, did you brush your teeth? And they say yes. And we say, well, which toothbrush did you use? The red one. Well, we don't have a red one. Well, uh, I used the blue one. Well, why isn't the blue one wet? I don't know. Well, did you use a flosser? Yes. Well, where would you put the flosser? In the trash. How come the trash is empty? I don't know. And I, I tell you, like hardened criminals will give it up faster than a kid being interrogated about their dental hygiene and, and so we think of confession of, like, how do I get this admission of guilt? Uh, but there's also this idea of some of us maybe have had previous faith experiences of a, of a guy in a robe and in, like, this wooden phone booth. And I sit in there, and I read him the list of my dirty laundry from the week. And he says, you're good. And then you kind of make an appointment to come back the next week and give him your next list. And, th- and this, is, this is kind of what the nation of Israel is doing, but, but they've encountered They've encountered a God story, and are about to read this story back to God. And this idea of confession is not just, hey, you caught me. It's not just this idea of, hey, I'm going to admit something. I've got this utter guilt that I need to get off my heart. It's this idea of, okay, I have recognized there's a story. I'm going to confess that I haven't been on the right page. I'm going to confess that I need to get back on the right page and on the same page with God. They begin this confession, and this confession is essentially them repeating God's story back to him. And we read again, picking up in verse 5, blessed be your glorious name, exalted above all blessing and praise. You're the one, God, you alone. You made the heavens, the heavens of the heavens, and all angels. The earth and everything in it, the seas and everything in them, you gave them all alive. You keep them all alive. Heaven's angels worship you and they start right at the beginning. We all love a good origin story. Sequels, eh, but origin stories were there, right? And they start right at the beginning, and, they, and they, they call out God for who he is, that he is a creator, God. That is not a popular label for God nowadays, is it? I would love to just move on to the next section, but if anybody is like me, somewhere in middle school, you were handed a science book, and they had pictures of, of your great, great, great ancestors, and they were a little more hairy than us, and they were kind of hunched over and smaller than us, and and you were told that somewhere, somehow, on some primordial goo, a bunch of stuff got together and out popped us, and there was no chapter on creator God. But this nation, this nation of Israel, they're ready to label God as creator. I want to just pause for a second and and I get science. This is, this is not meant to be like a, like a science versus creation debate. And I'm certainly not the one to have that debate. Remember, failed out of college twice. That's not me. I got a biology degree, but it, it was very close. But what I'd like to ask us is, have we just lost our sense of wonder? Francis Bacon said that a little bit of science estranges a man from God, but a lot of science brings him right back. I'm just kind of curious if the pendulum might be swinging the other way, and and, and have we just kind of lost our sense of wonder? I mean, look at some of the the scripture. It talks about that they were reading scripture for a quarter of the day, and and they were reading about this creator God. What scripture would they have read? Maybe they would have read Genesis 1-1, and in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. When was the last time we just sat outside with the lights off and looked at the stars and just wondered? Just wondered. Why did antimatter and matter just decide to split one day? Who was this or what was this before time? This this uncaused cause that just (sighs) made all of this happen. Have we ever just stopped to wonder? When was the last time we wondered? Maybe they read a scripture like, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And have we just paused sometimes to wonder, wow, we, we, we live on a rock. that exists in this lifeless vacuum, invisibly tethered to this giant thermonuclear fireball, just get a little perspective and and just wonder, wow, how did gravity get so fine-tuned for life, so fine-tuned one part in a 100 million, billion, 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 billion? billion. How did gravity get so fine-tuned that we could exist? Maybe they they read a scripture like, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. When was the last time we just held a newborn baby and just wondered? How did did the the six feet of DNA that lives in each one of our hundred trillion cells with four-letter alphabets, have the written instructions for us, for me, for you. Have we just paused to wonder? Maybe it was scripture-like, then God said, "Let us make man in our image after our likeness." When was the last time we just wondered, "Wow, why is it in a survival of the fitness that the fittest uh, that the keystone species all of a sudden exhibits sacrificial love? Why do we even have handicapped spaces if we're just part of this animal kingdom? Do we ever just stop to wonder, maybe God made us a little different? Maybe they read a scripture like, then the eyes of both were open, they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. All right, stick with me on this one. Have we ever just wondered recently, why we even wear clothes? don't take this out of context, and everybody show up naked next week. (laughs) But there's no evolutionary model for clothing. Why does all of a sudden humans wear clothes? Why do we have this conscious, this mind, this guilt? Right in Genesis 3, we're reminded of our creator God, where we got our start, and what went wrong. And the nation of Israel is confessing this story. They're telling this story back to God, reminding themselves that, yes, we can have science, but we can also have wonder. We can have a creator. And they continue their story with another very important attribute of God, that he is a covenant God. And we read in, in Nehemiah 9, You're the one God, the God who chose Abram and brought him from Ur of the Chaldeans and changed his name to Abraham. You found his heart to be steady and true and signed a covenant with him, a covenant to give him the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, gergesites to give him those descendants. And you kept your word because you are righteous. This idea of a covenant God, not, not a contract God, not a, not a tit-for-tat God, but a covenant God. And the closest thing that we have to, to a covenant nowadays is, is a marriage that we're going to enter into this agreement for the betterment of you. I'm not going into this to an exchange of goods. This is a covenant. And, and God enters into a covenant with his people, and they start to recount all of what God has done in this covenant. And, and if we remember, God had started a covenant back with, with Noah and said, hey, I'm going to put the rainbow in the sky to remind you that I'm not going to wipe out life. And then he gives a, a, a covenant to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to make you a nation. And he gives him the, the, the sign of circumcision. And Abraham said, wait a minute, no, I got the rainbow. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> and then, then he makes a covenant with, Mo, with Moses and says, hey, I'm going to give you this promised land. He makes a covenant with David that there's going to be a royal line of kings and These covenants are God calling his shot for the benefit of all of us. And if you look at what he's done way back in the garden when when something went wrong, God made a promise, right? He said, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send a redeemer. I promise you, I'm going to fix this. You can't fix this. I'm going to fix this. Throughout all of history, he's been telling this this story of how I'm going to preserve life and it's going to be even a little bit more fine-tuned that this this redemption is going to come through these people. And it's going to come to these people on this land. And it's going to come to these people on this land through this royal line of kings. And God's calling his shot throughout all of history. And the nation of Israel is confessing this story back to God, and they're recounting, and there's too many verses to read here, but let me just read a little bit of how they're confessing this story back to him. They're saying stuff like, You saw the anguish of our parents in Egypt. You amazed Pharaoh, his servants, and the people of the land with wonders and miraculous signs. You split the sea before them. You came down on the Mount Sinai. You gave them instructions on how to live. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. But they, our ancestors, were arrogant. They turned a deaf ear. They turned stubborn. And you, a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, incredibly patient with tons of love, you didn't dump them. And how are, they, how are they replaying this story in their mind? They're reminding themselves that God in this covenant, he has been faithful and they have not. And they come to this conclusion in, in verse 32. And now God, the great God, God, majestic and terrible, loyal in covenant and love, don't treat lightly the trouble that has come to us, to our kings and princes, our priests and prophets, our ancestors, and all your people from the time of the Assyrian kings right now to today. You are not to blame. For all this has come down on us. You did everything right and we did everything wrong. And they had this conclusion that there's a broken covenant. There's a story that God has, has, has been telling throughout all history and they recognize their part in the story and they recognize that their ancestors and themselves, they have broken this covenant. And a broken covenant requires something. And they decide at this point in verse 38 they're going to basically renew their vows. They sign a written contract and say, hey, God, we're ready to start over. We're ready to start this relationship over. And if we wanted to have some sort of application takeaway today, I think it's a good reminder that a broken covenant requires a broken confession. This isn't just saying, sorry. I think a lot of us that have ever been in a relationship that might have been damaged in some way, we know there's two types of sorry, right? There's sorry because you got caught, and you're just trying to get out of some consequences. And then there's sorry because you're regretting that you hurt the relationship. And that kind of sorry usually has action associated with it. Let me just not tell you I'm sorry. Let me show you I'm sorry. And that's what we mean by a broken confession. I have a question. Why were the people even broken why were they why were they at this point where they were even willing to listen to God's story and something so kind of in there but it's so easy just to quickly pass over it it's so easy to see that this is part of the story but not recognize it what was happening in the people's lives right before this day right before the feast? What they had just accomplished with Nehemiah, they had built a wall. Miraculously, in 52 days, they had built a wall. This giant wall reminding them of God's favor over the nation of Israel. And then they confessed. I think so much of our religion, we think we have to do something first but God is a covenant God God honors his covenant with the nation of Israel and he goes first he shows his promise to the nation of Israel he builds a wall first before they confess so a question for us today has God ever done something so compelling in all of history that demands our attention to his story I just want to finish my memory of my God story. When I entered that retreat and I got to the right building and I was so welcomed with with folks that were my age and they were sharing my type of life stories. And, and there was a guy that got up and talked and I just, I could put myself in his story. I, I was relating exactly what he was saying. And then then we started to change the chairs and like this this U-shaped formation, and they started to dim the lights, and this guy walks in, and he's got his, his face painted white, and I realize that he's, that he's a mime, and, and he doesn't talk, his mimes don't talk, but he, but he walks in, and he's starting to act out this, this play, and I realize he's assembling these two wooden beams, and he's, he's acting out the gospel story. And then after he finishes showing us the gospel, he gets down on his knees and he comes to each person mm-hmm. and he puts something in their hand and and he moves on to the next person and each person there just starts crying. And remember I'm there because I'm thinking I'm going to pick up some chicks at this <laughs> sleepover. And the last thing I'm going to do is start crying. We're we're in this this U shape, and everybody can see everybody, and he's going from person to person. He's putting something in her hand, and then he leaves, and they cry. He comes to me, and he he puts something in my hand, and I kind of look off to the side. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm having no part of it, and this guy won't leave. He's holding on my hand, but he won't leave, and it's getting a little awkward because he won't move on to the next person. I say, okay, I'm going to stare him down and be like, buddy, move on. And I look at him, and I connect with his eyes. And there's just the kindness in his eyes, these loving, tear-filled eyes, just asking for something, just asking. And then he decides to move on, and I decide I'm going to open up my hand, and in my hand and there's this nail. You know, church, I had, I had been in church for a long time before this and I had heard the gospel a whole bunch. And it wasn't until I met somebody that just looked at me with those eyes, with this, this iron in my hand that I finally got it. You know, my daughter Ellie always does this thing with us where she'll just throw her arms up and say, I want you. She fully expects one of us to pick her up and give her a hug. We have a God of creation, a God of covenant, but we also have a God of a cross. I have a question for you today. Do you hear this God of creation echoing that same sentiment throughout all of creation, throughout all of our life, just saying, I want you? I want you. Do you hear this God who honored his covenant, who told his story, who called his shot and showed us exactly how he was going to fix everything, just saying that same, I want you. Do you hear this God of a cross, this God who hung on a cross? saying, this is what it cost me. It cost me this much because I want you. I want to modify our application a little bit. It's not just a broken covenant that requires a broken confession. It's a broken God who invites a broken confession. One of my favorite authors, Brendan Manning, says this. Repentance is not what we do in order to earn forgiveness. It's what we do because we have been forgiven. Now, I don't know what you heard today. I'm not sure if, if you heard Maybe perhaps a broken relationship that maybe you're going through right now, and maybe it's a relationship that, that you want to go repair. Maybe it's a, a marriage that you need to renew those vows. Maybe, maybe it is a broken relationship with God that you came in here with today, and, and now you're thinking, I need, to, I need to start a relationship with this guy. Maybe you've already had a relationship for a long time, and just a reminder that it's time to come back to him. I think it's a a good reminder this is not just an individual story, is it? I mean, Nehemiah, he, he lived out his God story and nothing short of a nation found revival. But it starts with your story. This God of creation, this God of covenant, this God of the cross is also a God who is coming. There's no better day than today to perhaps start a relationship with him. I want to invite the band back up. We're going to we're going to just take a moment to pause. Maybe it's a maybe it's a pause just to wonder again about who God is. Maybe it's a maybe it's a moment just to pause and hear that question. I want you. I want you. But I want to give everybody a gift this morning. There was such a crucial part of my story when my story intersected with God's story. And I, and I held that nail, and I've asked Jeff and Jenny, as the band plays this song, we have some nails for you today. Whatever, whatever this next step in your God journey might be, whatever this next step might be in your faith with him and your relationship with him, if you want to, feel free to just take a nail. You can now remind yourself of the God who hung on a cross. This is this is not an act of work. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything to get this relationship. It's already been done. It costs us nothing, but it cost Him everything. He hung on a cross. He's a God of creation. He's a God of covenant promise. He's a God of the cross and a God who is coming there's no better day than today to meet with him. Let's pray, God. Man, we need you. We have heard a thousand stories about you. We probably made up most of them. You made us in your image and we kind of returned the favor and made you into stuff like a Pez, Pez dispenser or just a buddy or that we don't even really believe in you sometimes. But throughout all of history, you have proved that you're real, that you are right here with us. You have proved that you want us. And I pray for everybody here today that if this is the day that, that your story is intersecting with their story, they would ask. You would just touch their heart and open the possibility to a new life, not just, not just a life of great memories, but a life that is a great life, a, a life that only you can provide, a life that doesn't have to stop. Lord, we are your church, and we know that this is your message that you have given us to continue to tell this story until you come back. I pray for all of us that call Centerpoint Church our home that we would continue to be that mouthpiece for you. You didn't create a plan B. You you said it's going to be the church, and it's crazy as that sound. Broken people like us that really have (laughs) no good resume to talk about how incredible and how perfect you are. You chose us as imperfect people to tell your perfect story we depend on your grace. We depend on your kindness. The grace, the compassion, the the love that you had shown us over and over and over. It demands a response. It demands us to act. It compels us to revisit your story and see if our story is part of that. Now, Lord, as we as we listen to Your words through song, I pray that if anybody here today wants to wants to join You, wants their story to now be Your story, and Your story theirs, they wouldn't let this moment pass. We love You.